Hi there, it's Jupiter from the future, and you're listening to episode one of Artificial Ghost Radio. And I just wanted to pop in at the front to let you know that for around the first 70 episodes of the show, although the numbers are a little fudged, I am called a different name than uh, than I go by today. And I didn't want to go in and edit out all of the instances of my old name and do all that work and blah de blah de blah So... I thought that I would just come in here right at the start for those new listeners, although for new listeners, I definitely recommend starting with more recent episodes, but hey, I'm Jupiter. My pronouns are she, they, and... Yeah, these episodes are still good, mostly. I don't actually remember. Let me know if they're good. <laughs> hey, enjoy the episode and hopefully the whole series. Welcome to Artificial Ghost Radio, your unofficial guide to navigating the airwaves. I'm Miles. And I'm Mars. This is a podcast where every other week we bring two songs each and discuss what makes them special. Miles, would you like to introduce the theme for our first two songs? This week's theme is a song that makes you feel warm, which I thought was nice and broad for our first episode. Yeah, it, it's, it's broad. It's uh, My song is going to surprise you. I think, which is going to be fun. My song absolutely won't. <laughs> Mine is all right. Without further ado, well, it, it, it's my you song. Know, it'll give fun. you. It'll give our listeners a little, a little peek, a little mm-hmm. peek into into the miles. Into the miles. Yeah, my song this episode is "Bloom" by the Paper Kites. So, what's the deal with the Paper Kites? Oh, so you don't want to listen to it? Cool. No, I mean I do want to, I, <laughs> I do want to listen to it. I'm just curious about it. Tell me tell me a little bit about the song. Hook me. Get me enticed. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you all about Bloom. Bloom is just a really soft acoustic indie song. It sounds like it's out of like some sort of hetero romance movie that's like set in like Oregon. I don't know why I like it so much. It's a yeah, <laughs> terrible I, song. I can't say that you're selling me on it, is the thing. And for the first uh, song, the first song for this podcast, <laughs> that's right, your no, Okay, I'll, I'll be serious. I'll be serious. Okay. <laughs> Just describe every song really badly. Uh, I, I brought the song and uh, I hate it. I don't know why I like It's a shit song. I bought Chumbawamba this week. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck. Alright. Bloom is a very soft folk acoustic song. And mm. it actually has, like, I will get into this, but it has a lot of really interesting and very nice memories for me. And it is very evocative of, like, sitting in a forest or in a field and feeling very physically warmed by the sun. It's a very tender song to me. All right. Well, let's let's give it a listen then.
I like how the music video is just some white boys playing with some string in in a field. <laughs> That's very fun. I actually don't think I've watched the music. I think I've watched like little snippets of the music video, but right. I never really give too much of a shit. Yeah, I can't say it's the most like intriguing music <laughs> video I've ever seen. But the song, you know, it's folksy. It's nice. It's it's sweet. It's definitely very heterosexual. Yeah, that's that's valid. <laughs> like you have you have brought a very het song. Yeah, but my feelings towards it aren't. I have no heterosexual feelings towards this song. <laughs> okay, ex- explain the song. Uh, explain your feelings towards the song. I will. Okay. So, I, as I said earlier, it's um it's a very traditional indie folk song. You're right, like, the video clip is just some white folks playing in a forest. It's not very inspiring or interesting, and it shouldn't be so special, but it it really is. I think it captures so delicately and deliberately that overwhelming, crushing feeling of being in love when you fall really, really hard for someone. Because like, well, the lyrics are very, very tender, but the, the reason why I personally like the song in its entirety, not just me being like, oh, like, ooh, the lyrics have a secret meaning, or like, ooh, I really like the production on this. Right. I have personal memories attached to this song. My best friend, Shanae, who to, uh, we'll talk about extensively throughout this podcast, I think, showed me this song back in 2012, uh, which was right when we started to talk and we were becoming friends. And what we did to sort of bond was we sent songs back and forth to each other. And they sent me this. And it provided a lot of insight into Shanae as a person to me. It just feels so irrevocably warm because of that. And even more over these past, like, six years that I've heard bloom, more and more people that have either had romantic or platonic feelings towards me or that I've had feelings towards, we've shown each other this song. And that makes me feel very profound I think like even if I don't like this song at any point in time or this reminds me of something bad which it did for a while it still comes back continuously as this really romantic and sappy song in my life fair fucking enough and I you know what I can't blame you it's a very sweet song I think you know it it kind of captures the feelings of nostalgia even though i have no nostalgic feelings for it yeah you know because i've never heard it before but it's a sweet it's a nice song mm-hmm. it's pleasant to listen to yeah I-, I don't know if it's gonna make it into my playlist but it's uh <laughs> That's fair. hey fits the beat it's the bane remember remember how i know how to talk no i really i really know how to talk and it's so great i would love to read just a little snippet of this review do it by liam gordy's uh from writemusic.com it's dot au so it's australian so fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh and it begins with picture spring 2010 a few friends and i sitting in the sun at our university's bar sipping on beer there is a band playing mellow folk music everyone is watching them begins to rain but instead of stopping the show the band continues to play the audience of about 50 does not move an inch we are enthralled by the music liam just goes on to talk about how that day in summer 
just listening to that music with people that is the essence of this song to me right is this band in the rain and in the sun in this bar and people not even being able to move because they're so enthralled by it is really special to me I just really like this song. Do you like anything about this song? I do. do no, I, I've given it compliments. It? I've given it compliments. No, 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 no. Not in an accusatory way. Like, do you have anything to say about it? <laughs> do, you, do you even like anything about the song? This emotional song that I'm sharing with you? This personal history? Hey, you could say fuck off. I'd be like, yeah, that's valid. I, I can't say that it connects with me in any meaningful way, but it is musically nice. And I enjoyed my time listening to it. Mm-hmm. Also, when I first heard it, I thought that it was gay because every time they said, oh, I thought they were saying boy. I was like, Aww. ah, nice, it's gay. And then I read the lyrics and I was like, fuck, damn it, shit. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I have to say about Bloom. Well, thank you. Thank you, Miles, for bringing this song. That's fine. That's fine? <laughs> that's fine. I'm sorry that you didn't enjoy it very much. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I have nothing. You know what? I have nothing more to say. Uh, you. you can mock me all you want. You can you can throw stones. You just so cute when you get busted. All right, what's your song, Mars? So my song is, like I said, maybe going to be a little bit of a, of a surprise. And I guess I'm kind of opening a well here on the first episode, setting kind of a weird precedent, but. You are going to continue to set a weird precedent. That's so fucking valid. Hey, I can set whatever precedent I want. I'm a co-creator of this goddamn show. Anyway, my first song, a song that makes me feel incredibly warm, incredibly emotional whenever I hear it, is Intro Story from the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door soundtrack. So, okay. I don't know how we feel about bringing video game soundtracks. I feel so good about bringing it. I feel good about it. And if we feel good about it, that's all that matters. Because music's music, and it's great. This song was composed and arranged by Yuka Sujioko, which I believe is how that's pronounced. Is it a J or a G? It's a J. Okay. I I think I got it right. You got it right. So let's, let's, let's listen to it. This song is the song that plays at the very beginning of the game, at the very start, in the opening cutscene that lays the groundwork for all the story in the game. And Paper Mario with the Thousand New Door, for those not aware, is a big, massive RPG game with just a bunch of really great characters and funny dialogue, and it's... I don't know. Paper Mario with the Thousand New Door is, is one of my favorite games ever. It's maybe the first game that I ever really fell in love with. It means a lot to me for some reason. I mean, it's not just for some reason. I think that's a really lovely reason. You know, the song is very nostalgic for me. I don't tend to place a lot of weight on nostalgia because, I don't know, I feel like getting so obsessed with the past in any sense is 
foolhardy at best and downright ignorant at worst. Yeah, that's fair. But I still love the game and it's, I don't know, it's just a really lovely song that every time that I start playing the game, I always let this cutscene play out and the song play out because this was the first music I heard from one of my favorite games of all time and it remains that way. So do you think that, here's my question, is do you think that the warmth that you feel towards this song is the warmth of nostalgia or the warmth of joy? I think, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Hmm. I, I, I have no problem admitting that Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door is old. It's like 14 years old at this point. It is flawed. The Bowser sections, as cool as it is to play as Bowser, those are really underdeveloped and not very interesting. <laughs> Yeah. The whole end of, uh, is it chapter seven, I think, where you have to go around the entire game world to find one dude and everyone's like, hey, he was just here. You just missed him. Hate it. Classic Mario style. But I still genuinely love this game from the bottom of my heart. But admittedly, I know that if I played this game for the first time today, I'd still love it, but I don't know that it would be one of my favorite games of all time. So it is it is a mix of joy and nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, I think that can be said about a lot of old games. I mean, the like first few Zeldas are absolute garbage, but for some people, it's the best. Yeah, I think Zelda 2 deserves a remake. Oh, absolutely. Fuck yeah. Now, since there isn't anything lyrically in this song, yeah. I thought I'd spend a little bit of time talking about how dope the composer is. Oh, hell yeah, go for it. The composer, her name is Yuka Sujiyoko, which I said earlier. Her musical career in video games started, she worked at Intelligent Systems for many years. Intelligent Systems is the company that creates all the Paper Mario games and also Fire Emblem and some other games. So she composed and arranged all or most of the music for the first Fire Emblem game on the NES and then continued to. So she set the standard for what Fire Emblem music sounds like. And even on current Fire Emblem games, she is still involved, usually as management or or supervisor. Yeah, I haven't played any Fire Emblem, but... Thousand Year Door, like, it has this very clear sort of JRPG kind of fantasy. Like, it's just a big fantasy feel to it. It's very Nintendo. Yeah, it definitely sets you up right for wanting to get into this big story. Fuck yeah. So, she actually left Intelligent Systems after composing and arranging the music for the first Paper Mario game. And just continued to work as a freelancer. I bet you'd be pretty popular after that. Oh, yeah. But she came, she continues to come back and, and do jobs for intelligence systems. Mm. She just doesn't work for them directly anymore. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. So she is a total badass. She has 28 game credits, two of which are special thanks, but many are composer or director. A lot of supervisor, a lot of arranging. She's done it all. She's been on that hustle. How long has she been working for? She started her her game career in 92 and is continuing to work to this day. I think that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. She has more song credits than I could 
even begin to count. Because for, you know, most of the games that she composes the music for, she composes nearly all of it. She is incredibly talented. She's a she's a goddamn gift. And she has contributed legitimately some of the best music that has ever been on a Nintendo platform. That's really genuinely beautiful, Mars. Thanks. Hey, you did a good job. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm glad that I did a good job. Uh, so that's, Anything else you want to add? No, about it? that's that's basically all I have to say about uh, about the song. Hell yeah! So uh, are we are we ready to uh, go to the break? Yeah. So did you want to do your segment before or after the break? I said surprise me. Um. So so what are you gonna do? Let's see. Um. Here's my little rap for you, Mars. Are you ready for my rap? I'm ready for your your rap that will lead us into an amazing segment. All right, here we go. This game's so sweet. So sweet like Stevia. <laughs> here we are, we're gonna play some fucking trivia. <laughs> That's my really good rap that I've done for my friend. It's a really uh, good rap. Yeah. I am... <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And more importantly, excited. <laughs> are you ready for your first question, Mars? Yeah, for the record, uh, we already did one of these in a test episode, and he asked three questions, and I got all three wrong. So let's see how this goes. That's because you're fucking dumb. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a goddamn idiot. It's great. I still love you. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> all right. Let's see, your first question. What was tattooed on David Bowie's ankle? Oh, God. Uh... These aren't easy. Yeah, they're really not. I want to challenge you. There's a difference between challenging me and asking me something that I don't know. Listen, if you get one of them right, then you'll be a genius. <laughs> Do you want a uh, hint? No. You know what? Yeah, give me a hint, because I've got nothing. It is an animal. Okay. That includes, like, any sort of, like, mammal, lizard, bird. I know. figured. Animal's pretty broad. Mm-hmm. It could theoretically be an amoeba. I think that's technically an animal. Is it? I don't know. I don't know science. This is We're not doing a science show. We're dumb as shit. You know, we're dumb as shit. Welcome to the artificial ghost. We're dumb as shit. Anyway, uh, I think David Bowie got a tattoo of a... For some reason, I'm just leaning on starfish, even though it doesn't make any sense. Interesting, actually. I mean... It kind of does, doesn't it? It kind of does, I guess. Listen, but you're pretty close. It just says pretty broadly he has a lizard tattooed on his ankle. I'm pretty sure it's meant to be like a gecko or some shit. Hold on, I'm sorry. How? In what? In what world is starfish pretty close to gecko? Uh, it's kind of like, um... You know, it's sort of like hard on the outside and kind of soft on the inside. I think a lot of things are soft on the inside. A lot yeah, of animals I are. So. There aren't a lot of animals that are like you cut them up and there's it's just rocks. It's like stone. <laughs> Actually, not that you say that a starfish might be the closest to being stone on the inside. You're not wrong. I don't know. They both don't have fur. <laughs> they kind of they're kind of wet. Okay, what's what's the next what's the next question? I'm dying over here. Alright, this one this one's a touch easier. This one you can get from just sort of living your life in the world. As opposed to what? 
knowing obscure David Bowie tattoos in fantasy worlds where you give a shit about David Bowie. I, I like David Bowie. I just don't know that I've actually listened to a full David Bowie album. Oh, you gotta live with my mother. <laughs> uh, shout out to Linda. She's listening. Linda, stop. <laughs> don't, I don't want you to hear me swear. Uh, okay, so question number two. What type of animals' intestines were made to uh, be used as guitar strings in Spanish guitars? Oh, fuck. I know this. I did watch How It's Made once, which did have this, I think. It's not It's not horse, is it? Is that your final answer? I don't know. I, yeah, sure, horse. Bow, bow. Damn it. it was sheep. Oh, fu- oh, right. Oh, fuck. For some reason, I forgot that you said the word intestines. It's just made out of horse. I was thinking horse. Just, just horse meat. <laughs> no, I was thinking. Hi, I was thinking... this is my no. Shut up. This is my guitar made out of horse heart. <laughs> I, I was thinking like horse hair. That kind of makes. I mean, but but imagine a wig, <laughs> and then imagine that being used as guitar strings. It's not adding up, is it? Hey, horse hairs are pretty long. I think they, they some get guitar length. All right. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of background on this. Uh, yes, yeah, Spanish guitars were originally made, uh, the strings that are, that is, um, were originally made from the small intestines of slaughtered sheep. Uh, the production right. material only changed to nylon during World War II when all available gut was used in the production of surgical thread for wounded soldiers. Shit, we've run out of sheep. Ah, fuck, we killed all the sheep again. What are, what are we going to stitch them up with, Stu? Well, fuck, I got some uh, shitty plastic cord. Let's slap that on our guitars. That's what Spanish people sound like, historically. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I, I'm Cuban, and while I don't... Can confirm. I mean, I, I originally, my heritage goes back to the Basque region in Spain, so... There you go. You know, yeah, so you should have known I, that, and you're a disgrace to people. Really? All right. Well, <laughs> are you ready for question three? I'm ready for question three. I'm 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 really ready for it. And I think I'm going to get it right. This is a fun one. Oh, so the other two weren't fun. No, they were just very serious. So question three: Which company asked permission to use Johnny Cash's "Ring of Fire" in their advertisements? Was it a lighter company, a hot sauce? Oh, you should do these. You should do all of these multiple choice. Yeah, I should, should I? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I'll do that next time. Yeah. Okay. So here are your options. Mm-hmm. A lighter company, a hot sauce company, or a hemorrhoid cream company. Ooh. See, the hot sauce makes a lot of sense. Sure. But have you seen medical ads in America? <laughs> they get wild. <laughs> So I'm gonna I've go. I've seen them parodied. I'm gonna go with the hemorrhoid cream because no, legitimately, there is no commercial parody that is weirder than an actual U.S. commercial. Mars, you did it. Thank you. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. See, if you just make a multiple choice, then I I have a shot. I I don't know that I would have guessed hemorrhoid cream if it wasn't on the list. Yeah, that's that's why I made it. Uh... A multiple choice. Yeah, Johnny Cash's estate was a... <laughs> I was expected to get random lizard. Off the top of my head, I was supposed to get random lizard. Yeah. 
Great. Get good at David Bowie, bitch. <laughs> David Bowie really is the uh, the Dark Souls of. of... <laughs> Fuck! I, I, I got I, I, a car. I don't even have an end to that joke. I don't need. David an end Bowie to that is joke. the Dark Souls. Dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, Fill David in the Bowie. blank. Now David Bowie is the Dark Souls. Oh, he is. He really is. That son of a gun sure was Dark Souls. Oh, rest in peace, Rainbow Star <laughs> Man. That's what Black Star's Star about. Yeah, that's what it, yep, that's the run, yep. There's a song called Lazarus, that's pretty cool. Or oh, Lazarus yeah. and Me, I can't even remember. David Bowie, I'm, I'm kissing the heavens for you, bud. And that was Trivia with Miles. Da-da-da-da, That's the Superman theme song, never mind. Remember the test episode where I accidentally did carnival music? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of the Star Wars song. Hey, Miles, welcome back. Hi, Miles, welcome back to you too. So, Miles, do you want to introduce your new favorite for this episode? You know what? I would love to do that for you. You're not free with your Cadillac. You're doing just exactly what the man wants you to do. Buy his goods so you'll never have any freedom. He wants you to buy everything he advertises on TV so he'll keep you perpetually. I was like, what are they going to do? What the fuck are they going to do? Are they just going to start screaming again? Like I did in the test episode. No, no, of course not. (laughs) Mars, what just happened? It's the segment that I like to call What We Pulled from the Ashes. A discussion of the singles that Brockhampton releases every other week on Things We Lost in the Fire. They are uh, their radio show. Mars, I I loved that. Thank you. So the song is 1998 Truman. Yep, Mars and I were both babies learning how to walk and talk in this year. Yeah, I what I'm really excited for is uh is their next song that they're going to release uh next next episode which yeah, uh, which is 1997 Mars and Miles were born. <laughs> <laughs> Just them. That's it. So 1998 Truman is likely named for the Truman Show, which is a movie that came out in 1998. Uh, similarly, 1999 Wildfire is likely named for the 5.1 million acres of land that was burned in November of 1999, including the Great Basin, which is massive and encompasses like Utah, Oregon, a whole bunch of other states. So big deal, this fire. So, uh, I think you are right. I also took it a totally different direction. And I think you can guess which direction I took it in. You always say you can probably guess, but I I never do. Which is why I'm so bad at the trivia. Yeah, you're also really bad at American politics, apparently. Because Harry Truman, he's a man. He is a man. And, I mean, I'm aware of Truman. I just, there's also Truman Capote, which is another big name. Yeah. I have my re- I have my conspiracy theories. Okay, all right. Why? Okay. <laughs> why we'll, this is we'll, we'll, what we'll get I into chose that. to go with. All right, okay, you know what, we'll get into it. So I'm personally trying to figure out if how these songs are connected, if they're connected, because 
the name of this project is Things We Lost in the Fire. The first song is 1999 Wildfire, which was a big fire. Mm. I mean, I don't know how The Truman Show or indeed Harry S. Truman fit into this. Okay, here's my conspiracy theory, Mars. Go for okay. it. Go for it. Okay. I'm excited. Because so, all the, the members of Brockhampton, they're like around our age. Like, they're sort of in that uh, like early mid 20s range. Right. So they could have very plausibly been born in the years that they're going for. Yeah. Sort of post 2000 or pre 2000s, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Things we lost in the fire. Maybe all of them have been in a house fire, uh, a series of unfortunate events, and they're all just talking about some shit that they literally lost in a literal fire. And they've all got to use their spyglass to uncover the conspiracy. Yeah, to uncover the conspiracy theory of the third cousin four times removed, or their fourth cousin three times removed, and his plot to murder their family. Yeah. So that he can inherit the mighty Brockhampton fortune. Yeah, the 32k or whatever it was in Wildfire that Matt Champion said. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, like maybe one of them lost a, a Truman Show DVD in a house fire. One of them lost a fire in the wildfire. One, one of them lost Harry fire. S. Truman's body in a oh, fire. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> they were keeping him in cryo. Why you made Milosh Mihailov? I wish I knew Russian so I could do like a little like reading of what the intro is, but I do have the translation. Yeah, read the translation for me. My name is Milo, I'm gonna not pronounce this right, Mihalov, and my friends say that I don't talk. Hmm. Do you have the translation for the first video? Oh, yeah, yeah, I should actually look that up. That'd be great. My name is Milo Mihalov, I'm 38 years old, and I live in New York City. Huh. Has this guy been seen with the Brockhampton crew like Roberto has, or is he just, like, a dude that they hired? Uh, well, apparently he's a football player. He's a football player, okay. So I'm going to type in Brockhampton. There's a Reddit post. So he's a production assistant. Okay. Or personal assistant, you know, depending on P's. Sure. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I'm curious about, about that. I imagine this is going to be kind of like a short story that they, because the Saturation Trilogy, it told a story with Roberto in those interludes. I imagine that it's going to unfold Mm -hmm. something that way for Things We Lost in the Fire. Which, I covered this in the test episode, but I didn't cover it here, obviously, is I'm like 98% sure that these songs are not singles for the best years of our lives. Yeah, I because I mean the best years of our lives, like you know, it is all about years and stuff. But it doesn't match the other single that's been released. Not only does it not match the other single, but these singles were released. Normally, Brockhampton doesn't release yeah. singles like out like that aren't part of. Yeah, Brockhampton's kind of album or nothing. Which I mean, it could be a change in their style, but they didn't release one for Tanya. Yeah. So who knows. But my going theory is that it's not actually related to Best Years of Our Lives. Mm. So let's actually talk about the song really quick. Oh, sure. Because we haven't, we haven't talked about the song. So first, let's talk about how the song opens. Oh, fuck yeah, I love it. This super aggressive, yelling, anti-capitalistic rant. It's great. Hell yeah. Do you want to give it a raid? How should I do this? How do you want it? Hmm. Like like an old radio announcer. Give me that. Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm gonna do. 
You're not free with your Cadillac. You're just doing exactly what the man says, or wants you to do. Buy his goods, so you'll never have any real economic freedom. He wants you to buy everything he advertises on TV, so he'll keep you perpetually owing your soul to the company store. You're not free. You're a slave. I don't know where it went at the end. It totally it, it evaporated at the end. And then after that intro, we immediately go into a very aggressive, again, chorus from Merlin Wood. Oh, yeah. Merlin goes, I mean, Merlin always goes Merlin hard. Merlin always goes hard. It's, re- it's real fun. <laughs> but the lyrics are quite chill. Yeah. Give me no drugs, lend me some love. Tonight while I'm in this club. Lonely as fuck with my thugs. And we're looking for that buzz. I love that. The production is so... It's heavy. It's dramatic. It's loud. It's great. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds good, Mouse. I don't know. It sounds, sounds wonderful. Great. Also, Joba looks so good in the music Joba video. Joba keeps bringing new looks. Every time mm-hmm. we see him, he's in a new look. Kevin pretty much continues to rock the white t-shirt look. Yeah, Kevin didn't give a fuck. Kevin has not invested a whole lot into, like, fashion, but that's fine. (laughs) Who gives a shit? He's gay, he's allowed. (laughs) But Joba, Joba's serving looks. Joba is in these fucking high-concept, saturated, colorful looks. Also, Joba, my DMs are open. <laughs> Fucking slide in. Because goddamn, your verse is so good. Wanna wanna get into that verse? Wanna dive deep? Wanna yeah. dig in? Uh, where is that? Have some kids, I mean. It's okay to fall in line, just don't look back. That's a long-ass line that I'm not in. I just never found the time or had the chance. Truth is, you can kiss my ass. Never been the one to clown. I like that. It's, you know, it's not conforming. Right. It's, I don't need a traditional family structure for my age. I'm focused on my career and on my friends and on my family. I don't need romance or those sorts of things to sort of cloud my sort of path. And I I quite like that. I think it's a relatable feeling yeah. for a lot of millennials and people our age. Kevin Abstract is back doing bridges and hooks. That's because he hooks everyone in. Yeah. God, he's so good at it. This, for me, his bridge, really... Kind of kicks the song in the ass a little bit. Yeah. Don't talk back. Don't talk back. It's so good. It really is. I love it. Matt Champion's verse is butter smooth, as always. As always. He has the biggest dick energy. And that dates this episode, because that's a dying meme. People are going to look back on this episode and like, ah. Mid-2018, rough. Well, look, future listeners... We're coping however we can. <laughs> we be trying. We sure are trying. Let's get into Dom. Uh, I love in the video, his whole bit looks like one of those old Apple commercials. I know. <laughs> like a Backstreet Boys video clip or some shit. Hi, I'm a Mac. And I'm Dom McLennan. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Dom is so incredibly talented. Oh, fuck yeah. Dom is such a great addition. His rhymes are always complex and multi-layered let i'm just gonna go into that into his first little bit you got an addiction to what ain't your business fuck 
I love that. That's some fucking tea right there. Yeah, that is some tea. The rhyming structure is just divine. Oh, and then Bareface comes out at the end, which seems to be Bareface's role for these songs is to come in at the end and sort of ease us out yeah he sort of provides a clean nice sort of gentle outro although the actual outro is kevin's can we just talk about for a second how all of these motherfuckers are such excellent performers oh that's so good because kevin in that boxing ring just goes for it i mean kevin goes ham but he was going fucking ham and cheese sandwich yeah he was going ham and cheese he was going on rye (laughs) it really you know what i you know i'm gonna say it Brockhampton really is the best boy band since One Direction. (laughs) Uh, People are going to get sick of us talking about Brockhampton, so that's why I'm keeping this a summer thing. Yeah, we should call it. Well, for me, a winter thing. It's really keeping me warm in the hard time. Yeah. It's, well, hey, it's another song that keeps you warm. Mm -hmm. That, that, that. (laughs) I'm going to come over there and beat your ass. So, segment over, why don't you tell me about uh, your first new favorite, mm-hmm. or your only new favorite of this episode, because you only bring one, and I only bring one, and that's how the show works. And that's how the show works. I'm so glad that someone finally said it. <laughs> Somebody's out here finally speaking the truth about how the show works. <laughs> I mean, we're doing a pretty shit job of it, all right? Yeah. My new fave for this episode is Artie Boy by Flight Facilities, featuring Emma Louise. Oh, dope. I have no idea who any of those people are. They're Australian. I feel like, well, first off, both bands that you've shown off today are both Australian. I don't have to conform to your America-centric fucking music ideals. All right, do you want to give this song a listen? Yeah, let's get, let's, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about after we listen to it. So, from what I'm gathering from your songs this episode is that you really want to fall in love with a 2014-era hipster. Listen, we all gotta have types, alright? Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm gay. It was jammy, I liked it. It was, it was just kind of like a fun bop. I think a lot of people can relate to the anxiety over how somebody else feels about you. Well, absolutely. You know, or if they feel anything about you at all. Especially someone you met at a party or on the train or whatever. Yeah, 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 definitely. Artie Boy to me, it's a very, also it's a very like, um, it makes me want to like body roll. It's a very like jammy, smooth, sort of wavy song, I guess. Yeah. So this was released in June of last year and I didn't hear it until recently, obviously. That's why it's my recent favorite. And this is my second favorite uh, Flight Facility song uh, after Crave View, which is a very big hit. I don't know if it's popular other mm-hmm. places, but in Australia, very popular. Flight Facilities is an Australian duo. So they get featured on a lot of radio, especially like Triple J, which is our big hipstery indie radio station. Yeah, Artie mm-hmm. Boy is their first single for, I think it's been about four years, maybe five, which is a long time for musicians not to be putting out music. And it is really peak 
flight facilities to me. It's they have this really boppy music, like the electronic behind it, with these like really smooth, very like feminine voices. I don't know, it, it's always like a jam to me. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Emma Louise, so. I, I don't know anything about Emma Louise. Oh, she, we have a couple of her CDs, I'm pretty sure. One of the big ones is My Head is a Jungle, which I think was featured on some sort of movie soundtrack, so that got pretty popular. God, she's fucking fantastic. Yeah, this song, it, it kind of reminds me, so when we were doing test episodes, I bought Don't Delete the Kisses by Wolf Alice, yeah. And this is sort of like, it's a similar, like, they're at a party and it's about love, but it's very different. Don't Delete the Kisses was like a mutual feeling, like she has a crush, but she doesn't know how to express it. But at the end, you know, they get together and it's all cute and copacetic and all that. Artie Boy is very like, I'm putting out the signals, but this fucking dude is just ignoring me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think I like this for the lyrics. I think it's just because her voice is, because voices are just an extra instrument in a song. And I think her, her voice makes it beautiful. Yeah. It's an instrument whose language you can yeah. maybe understand. It's a good thing I had the lyric page up because she does not enunciate <laughs> her consonants. Yeah, she doesn't. And also there are a lot of lyrics, so it's easy to miss. Here's what I will say about the lyrics, which I think is very fun and very good, is that even though this is about this boy that she's into, this arty boy with a Polaroid camera and Coke. A Coca-Cola. You know what? I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> if I went to a party and there was some dweeb drinking a, a Coca-Cola and taking pics with the Polaroid. You wouldn't, you wouldn't sidle up and try and fuck? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> anyway, my favourite bits of this song is these few lyrics. And all the girls must be models here, sipping up on margaritas, twist their bodies so beautiful, making shapes with the music. And then further down... All the girls must be dancers, they're getting up on the tables, turning their bodies to liquid so smooth in all the right places. Like... It's a song about this arty boy and, you know, liking this dude. It's a very gay song. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just like, looks at every woman in this party and goes, oh, they're all so hot. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I think, yeah, all, all people <laughs> that are pan or bi, anywhere in between, guys are just sort of an afterthought. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that I'm pretty much exclusively attracted to men. Yeah. Yeah, because, boy, they are super disappointing. But, you know, you can always dump them, <laughs> put them in their place. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and just lay it out there that I'm not sure how much horny talk we should have on this podcast. I don't want my family to listen to this. This sucks. I'll edit, <laughs> I'll edit some of this out. What if I just don't stop talking about dick now? I don't know. You know what? You know what, Miles? I don't know. Every other word is just going to be dick now, so you can't edit it out. Hmm. Okay, go for it. No, go for it. I'm, I'm... Continue talking about the song, but just every other word, say the word dick. Mm-hmm. This dick song, dick. Is dick really dick? <laughs> Evocative dick. Of dick. When dick. You dick. Our dick. At dick. A dick. Party dick. <laughs> <laughs> and dick. Your dick. Gay dick. <laughs> and you have an audio clip of me saying gay dick so that's pretty cool oh yeah that's great i'm gonna make that my ringtone <laughs> now nah, that's all i have to say about it i i just like the song it's a bop it's a bip it's a yeah, it's, jam. It's, it's an absolute fun song so mars uh what's your new favorite of this episode my new favorite 
My, my new favorite? Oh, your new favorite. You want you want to know my new favorite I for do. this episode? Do you know how badly I want to know your new favorite? It's a song called Bad Apples by Indeed. Pussy Riot and Dave Sitek. Oh, hi, Pussy Riot. I haven't seen you guys in a while. Or Sitek. Sitek, potentially. I don't know. So, Pussy Riot is... And I'm just going to pull directly from Wikipedia's description of them really quick because it's, it's rad. A Russian feminist protest punk rock group. And if that isn't the most rad selection of words that you've heard today, you're probably on the wrong podcast. <laughs> Because these folks are cool as shit. I was expecting you to say something in response, you know? Oh, okay. So I've done like assignments and stuff on Pussy Riot. I know a lot about Pussy Riot. I've done feminist classes, so we talk a lot about Pussy Riot. They're not news to me. Fair enough. (laughs) Haven't heard much about them recently. But yeah, they do a lot of interesting stuff and I love punk stuff. I mean, like, I I don't dress punk, but politically... I am punk. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, my dad is in, or he was in a pretty recently in a punk band called Disaster Bader. Which is still fantastic. It's great. I, I do have punk in my blood, even though it's not a genre that I go to very often. It is a genre that I go to very, very often. It's just that, like, the prompts that I've been giving us uh, don't really lend themselves, I guess, right. to, the, to the genre a bit. I, I haven't heard anything else from Pussy Riot yet. But fun fact, my mom introduced me to this song. Mm, okay. So that gives you a, a good idea of how cool she is. <laughs> sure. Let's, uh, let's give the song a listen. for the music video of this song reads hope you aren't gonna like this track because it's dedicated to some really disgusting things <laughs> and sorry pussy riot i am gonna talk about how much i like the song so if you're listening sorry about that all of pussy riot all of pussy riot so this song just sounds really fucking good oh absolutely it's just a really good sounding song that rhythmic pounding that goes throughout the the whole thing and then boots marching comes in later yeah i love the whole audioscape of the chorus the hook is just completely mesmerizing it is it is this incredibly dope sounding song hell yeah um and yes go ahead oh well my thing's kind of long do you want to go before me not really go ahead so I thought it was really cool, and like I was watching the music video along with this, because it sort of starts off like bad apples is usually what people call any person that's untoward or a deviant or a ne'er do well towards the government, anyone that they see as a nuisance, a bad apple. And in the music video, it's this woman police officer uh, chopping up apples, and it's you know sort of that metaphor for like persecuting people, <laughs> people defying the government. Right. Then it sort of changes from the bad apples being what it traditionally means into the bad apples being the government the bad apples being the police being the symbols of authority and i think that's really interesting and then back in the music video it kind of turns from this woman being forced to do her job and incarcerate these people trying to you know gain rights and gain freedom into her working within the system to take it down and i think that's really interesting that's some dope analysis for a video of a woman cutting some (laughs) apples 
Uh, no, I, I totally agree. And they spell it out pretty clearly, both in interviews and in the music creative description and all that. It's specifically, it's a statement about the corruption in the political justice system in Russia, specifically talking about how gay people were being abused and arrested, people at protests. And while it's specifically talking about Russia, it does kind of hit home in America, too. Because, wow, our criminal justice system ain't great either. Yeah, y'all ain't great. I mean, same here, obviously. But yeah, did you know that Tasmania was the last state in Australia to legalize gay marriage? Or not gay marriage, being gay, actually. Oh, fun i i love it when my existence is up to the law to decide cool like i was maybe a toddler when that was decriminalized and tasmania has been the site of many hate crimes and hate murders because of that we have a history of that here and so that sort of rings home a bit i guess i mean especially with what's going on now uh, in america with ice and police brutality and the laws being designed to be harsher against minorities yeah i think this is the message of the song and the rallying cry of it can really resonate unfortunately with a lot of places yeah yeah i i really like the verse your back's against the wall what will you do i would join our gang if i were you we always stick together like glue there are many more of us than you yeah i love that line too it's great i mean it, it kind of shows that like not only is it especially like being gay in russia but it's just being feminist in general it's being punk in general and and we we always talked about that in my feminist philosophy classes and those sorts of classes i know that might seem so drab to people listening just like oh this one's a fucking gender studies student here we go although don't listen to this if that's your opinion that's probably not going to be very enjoyable for you (laughs) yeah if you're you know if you're not kind of agreeing with our our stances here you're not going to like our fun, goofy music analysis. About how shitty the political justice system is in many places. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to love this podcast going yeah. forward, I can't imagine. Maybe we're gonna, not. We're going to keep talking about political shit. Like, yeah. it's just going to happen. Like, it's just goof, goof jokes, but sometimes it isn't. All art is political. All art is political. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say, in feminist classes, we always talked about how, well, there's a, uh, there's a very big popular story about this, and I won't quote it correctly it's often shortened to defeating the master using the master's tools and how the metaphor is until all people living under the master come together to steal the tools we can't defeat the master Mm -hmm. and that's why like women are still you know sexism exists like i don't have to explain sexism to anyone it's sexism Uh, yeah you'd imagine that you wouldn't have to explain at this point that hey sometimes and by sometimes i mean all all the time (laughs) all the time 100 (laughs) percent women are treated like shit for absolutely no goddamn reason uh it's not great it's not great I really wish that every single woman in my life did not have a story or several about, like, the horrifying shit that has happened to them. God, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Not great. Not great. And as someone that was socialized female, it's still not great. Anyway, (laughs) in short, I was going to say with this line, though, we always stick together like glue. There are more of us than you. Is that sexism is still very pervasive because there are women that still don't believe in sexism and they're not feminist. And it's not like victim blaming. That's not right. what this is, obviously, because we are minorities. No, it's not. But like, there's a lot of internalized sexism or homophobia or whatever. I mean, you see it in the gay community a lot where people feel like they should be ashamed of 
shit they have no control over. It, it, it's, you know, it's prevalent in sexism, it's prevalent mm-hmm. in homophobia mm-hmm. and transphobia and racism, pushing this idea of inferiority or inherent weakness. Yeah. And so we always talked about this in the context of the master's tools is till all of us sort of band together. Like this is also the motto of intersectional feminism, which is, in my opinion the most valid version of feminism. I don't like rad fems. I don't really like lib fems. I, I just feel like if your feminism isn't including everybody, you're not doing it it's right. It's not great. <laughs> not fantastic. Steel feels like you're causing a problem. Yeah, mm, yeah not great. Uh, yeah, so until all of us sort of band together under our banner, until we, and also like help out other minorities. Not yeah, just like, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm I... gay, but I can still be racist, right? It's like, actually, no, that's not how it works. And I fucking hate yeah. you. <laughs> need to band together and work together because we're all kind of under the thumb here. Yeah. And so I think that really relates to there are many more of us than you because there is always going to be people around you that are minorities, whether it be women or... Which is a little... I mean, let's be real. Quote unquote minorities outnumber cis het allo oh, yeah. white men. But it's because we've been raised to think that we don't have the power to change. Yeah, it's absurd. And that's what I'm saying with the with the master's tools yeah. is that we have the power to overthrow. And I think that's really important to have that line in there. It's sort of showing that like there are so many of us mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we can cause definite change. It's definitive. Yeah. Sorry for stealing your song. That's okay. This is a group effort. <laughs> a group of two. A group of two. I guess it's a team effort. We're a team. A team, team. A team is yeah, true, a team right? Can yeah. Be a team. A te- yeah. It's a it's a group effort because the listeners can also contribute to what we talk about. You know what, Miles? That's true. Now that I've finally heard you after you've cut out several times because you're far away. We're on the opposite side of the world from each other. Different hemispheres. The internet travels backwards when it transfers over to the other hemisphere. (laughs) Mars is still in Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) It's God's Day over here. Oh, God's Day. Mm, Oh, God's Day? Mm -hmm. God's Day? You heard of it? (laughs) This is that hot new sound you've been looking for. It's God. (laughs) hey hey (laughs) you know that new doctrine you've been looking for well listen to this you know that new hot faith sound you've been looking for um yeah but mars people listening to this uh can contribute and do you want to know how they can do that uh they can contribute by submitting theme suggestions to our twitter at art ghost pod so uh yeah i think that's that's the podcast i think we've done it hey mars that was a podcast that was a podcast i think we did it oh my god yeah so thank you so much everyone for tuning in to artificial ghost radio once again if you have any suggestions for next episode's theme you can tweet your suggestions at ArtGhostPod. And thanks once again for listening. We will see you on the other side. Outro music. Outro music. Ooh.